0: Is the Adam Crowley Show. Enough. I'm putting these back in my pants. They're mine. This is crazy. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. There's a fan-made sign in Paul Brown Stadium that spans the length of a full upper deck section, and it reads, Make them respect us. Kirkpatrick headbutted Juju Smith-Schuster. Vontez Perfect elbowed Antonio Brown in the head. Steelers' tight ends caught 14 balls. They had two receivers have 100 yards, a 100-yard rusher, and almost a 400-yard passer. The Bengals surrendered the game-winning touchdown drive in less than a minute. How'd that go? Did the Bengals make them respect you, Cincinnati? you found the Crowley Show where your mom listens and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina sitting across from his mom in Baltimore. Shirtless Tom is behind the glass. Check them out on Twitter at FBomber73 and at ButtonPusher970. It's a two-man crew this week. No, Brian. It's the bye week. So he's off. I'm out on Friday as I'm going under the knife. They're going to cut pieces of me off. I won't tell you which pieces, though. That's between me and the doctor. Tell your kids. Tell your wife. We're doing radio up in here. Steelers have found themselves. Pressure. Defense. Ben and A.B. Running the ball. Offensive line. They're doing a lot of things well right now. Let's start with the pressure. you got to be able to do, I think, at least one thing good on defense and at least one thing good on offense if you're going to be a good football team, if you're going to be one that makes the playoffs. Now, the best teams can do a number of things well, but the Steelers, as they find their identity, I think need to find one thing on offense and one thing on defense that can make them good. And on defense, it's pressure. We saw in this game, Vince Williams had a sack that killed a drive and forced a punt, his first of the year. Hargrave got his third sack of the year, that forced a punt. it got his finally first sack of the year, that forced a punt. This is what this defense can be. And right now, that's what this defense is. One that can put you on your ass and set you behind the chains. It's the best case scenario. Is it a great defense? No. But it's far from the worst defense in the National Football League. Look at what Kansas City put out there on the field yesterday. They are a great offensive football team. Objectively great. They are fabulous. On the defensive side, they can't stop a nosebleed. The Patriots are a great offensive football team. On the defensive side, not so great. The Rams are a good offensive football team. They're better than these teams defensively, but we've seen already this year that because of injuries and attrition, they're not tremendous on that side of the ball. The Saints, great on offense, not so good on defense. The Steelers' defense can be good enough in 2018 if they put the quarterback on the ground and they've rediscovered their ability to be able to do that. 22 sacks now on the season, the most in the National Football League other than for the Baltimore Ravens, who just had 11 sacks against the Tennessee Titans. How the hell does that happen? That's a train wreck of an offensive line in Tennessee. 11 sacks, so it's a little bit skewed, but the Steelers led by far coming into this weekend. And I think when it's all said and done, at the end of the year, we'll lead the league in sacks. If the offense starts to hum, then you're more than good. Which brings me to how good the offense was. you got to be able to do something good on both sides of the ball. They know what they can do now on offense. Run the football. The Steelers did it when they wanted to like they always do against Cincinnati. Jeff Butch Hobson was on with the Steelers pregame show on the Pittsburgh Steelers football network. And he said, that the reason that the Steelers had beaten Cincinnati 17 to 20 times in Cincinnati was because the Bengals always aspired to be able to run the ball, and the Pittsburgh Steelers always just did run the ball. 111 yards for James Conner. We saw on the biggest run of the day Marquise Pouncey pulling from his center position. You don't see that very often in this league. He's that athletic, and the Steelers were very literally, pun absolutely intended, off and run. The offensive line was unbelievable. Oscar, the office. Ben wasn't touched. That's three games, six pressures, just one sack. Whoa. The Steelers' offensive line might just be the best offensive line in the National Football League. And as good as Cincinnati can be up front, they're also small. And the Steelers, I thought, had their way with them both on the ground and in pass-blocking situations. The Steelers' offensive line has been fabulous, really pass-blocking all season long. Now the running game is finally there. They left some points on the field, obviously. Red zone wasn't great in terms of touchdowns, but they still put up 28. Here's another way the Steelers found themselves. A, B, Ben, Wi-Fi connection, It's running on all cylinders, baby. Five bars. Brown had a bucko five and five catches. Hell of a read by both players on the game-winning touchdown. I'd say, yeah, that Wi-Fi connection is back. Really starting the second half last week and heading into this game. It was just a matter of time. And here's one of the reasons why it does work now for Antonio Brown. Fourteen catches by the tight ends. Juju had a whale of a game despite a couple of drops. James Conner was fantastic. AB never should have flipped out and skipped work. Because when the rest of the offense is producing, it's just a matter of time before he was going to get going. He's that good. When the defense has to contend for 14 catches from the tight ends, when the defense has to contend for Juju Smith-Schuster being lit and ripping the ball off the helmet of the defender, when the defense has to contend for James Conner hitting the alley, it's going to open things up for 0-8-4, and it's just a matter of number 7 putting the ball right on him. You can't defend everyone. It's a battle of attrition. You think you've got him bottled up all game, but then he comes through in the clutch. That drive to win the game was fabulous, vintage, old-school Ben. I thought he played his best game of the season. 369 through the air, nice. And again, clutch on the final drive. Third down completion to Juju. Big-time completion over the middle to Juju Smith-Schuster. And, of course, the biggest penalty that changed the game, Dre Kirkpatrick humping A.B. up and down the field and then having the wherewithal to say what didn't actually happen. Wherewithal wasn't the correct word. I was trying to save myself there to get out of the word pretzel, but couldn't do it. He had the gall to say after the game, I didn't hold him. It's a terrible call. Yeah, kiss my ass, Drake. Ben Roethlisberger was vintage. The offense is humming because everyone's involved. I thought Ben played his best game of the season, and I already mentioned the stats, but he was clutch. Joe Hayden, he was great again. He's a hell of a find. The last two weeks are as good as a cornerback has played in Pittsburgh in a long-ass time. And against some of the best wide receivers in the National Football League. Now, Joe would probably tell himself he should have had a couple of picks, certainly one pick. But he did a good enough job on A.J. Green to have to allow other players on Cincinnati to beat you. And they did at times. But if the Steelers are going to go out there and give up 21 points every single game, they're going to come away with the win most of the time. The Steelers have been slow starters of late. Since 2013, this according to Aditi Kinkwala from the NFL Network, the Steelers are 9-11-1 in September. But they've gone 47-18 and in any other month. You can call Mike Tomlin a cheerleader if you want, but the Steelers always get better as the season goes on. That's what they're supposed to do. Hell, look at this. The Patriots are 4-4 and in September the last two years. They've gotten better as the years have moved on. You'd like to be a good team from the start, but if you're not, you want to get better. And the Steelers do under Mike Tomlin. They were 3-2 and two last year. They were 4-5 and five the year before. And then they lost 1 and 0 games, respectively, each of the last two years after that point. I'm not telling you the Steelers are all the way back. I will tell you, the Steelers have found their identity. The Steelers know what they want to be as a football team. And that's got to be scary for the rest of the AFC North. Do you have faith in any other team to win this division other than Pittsburgh now? I know it's a far cry from how we handled the beginning of the season. But, yeah, the Steelers have been inconsistent. You think Cincinnati is going to be anything but that down the stretch? You think Baltimore is going to be anything but inconsistent down the stretch? Do you think Cincinnati or pardon me, Cleveland's gonna be anything other than inconsistent down the stretch? Bet right now. Tell me right now which teams winning the division. Right now, which team would you pick to win the AFC North? It's Pittsburgh, and it ain't close. Baltimore, sure, they played great defense yesterday. They shut out Tennessee. They're always capable of playing great defense. But they're always capable of stinking it up on offense, too. As they did the week before against the Browns. Say what you want about the Steelers' start. They didn't go to Cleveland and lose. They went to Cleveland, had a game-winning field goal lined up, and, well, they missed it. They tied Cleveland. Baltimore lost to the Brownies. You think that team's winning the division? Can they? Sure. Will they? I don't buy it. No. No. Is Cincinnati winning the division? Nah, they're frauds. They're paper champions, those Cincinnati Bengals. Make them respect us, the sign says at Paul Brown Stadium. We don't have to. Nobody in Pittsburgh respects the Cincinnati Bengals. I want you to hear that, Cincinnati fans. I mean, hell, the signal for our station barely reaches outer green tree. But I want you to hear me, Bengals fans. We don't respect you. Or your football team. And there's no reason to respect that football team. Because they always implode when the moment is at its biggest. Whether it be the regular season or the postseason. And a lot of it has to do with the way that they play. Not necessarily what the opposition does. So they ain't winning the division. The Ravens ain't winning the division. The Browns certainly ain't winning the division. The Pittsburgh Steelers, again... Own oh, the AFC North. And they'll prove it the next two weeks because they found their identity as a football team. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Mark Caballi is going to join us from The Athletic at 5 o'clock today to discuss everything going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We've got Matt Williamson joining us at 620 to discuss what happened around the National Football League and weigh in on the AFC North. The Penguins, they lost, and they didn't look good doing it. Today, the line combination's the same. Of course, Sans Schultz, who's going to be out for four months now with a fractured leg. I don't love Broussard at left weight, but it kind of reminds me of college. Mike Sullivan's like, ah, I'll try anything once. That's what I did. That's how I discovered myself. Penguins got to figure out who they are, and... Broussard liked playing left-wing the other day because he's got freedom because he played a little bit more. But I like the makeup of the third line with him, Simone, and Rust. Schultz being out, though, is troubling. Do you really want Ricola on the second pair? And I think Johnson and Alexiak are both better on the left side, so they're going to have some trouble with an undermanned defense when they've already had trouble when they've had eight legit NHL defensemen. More on the Penguins as we trek forward in this show. But coming up next, I'll take some shots at the Bengals. Dre Kirkpatrick thinks they're better than Pittsburgh. Vontez Burfecht not going to be suspended by the NFL this just in. We'll get to all that as I burn the Queen City to the ground next. Crowley Show. This is the Adam Crowley Show. Wow, 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 he's very nice. ESPN Pittsburgh on 970 AM and 106.3 FM. Vontez Perfect is trash. Drake Kirkpatrick is like mini Pac-Man Jones. That's not true. I think he's actually a little bit bigger than Pac-Man. He's like store brand Pac-Man Jones. We'll get to the Bengals in a moment. Got this tweet from Jim Edwards at underscore Adam Crowley. The Steelers are not beating the Chiefs or the Patriots. Who said they weren't? Probably. But here's the reality. Who the F knows? Who the F knows? I didn't think the Ravens were going to go in and shut out Tennessee. I'm not saying Tennessee's great, but they're at home. They're coming off of a brutal loss. You figured maybe they'd stand up and get the job done. I didn't expect the Patriots defense, even though it's bad, to give up 40 points. I expected them to confound a young quarterback a little bit. Maybe they did a little bit, but I didn't expect them to give up 40 points. I didn't expect the Saints to lose to the Buccaneers. I didn't expect the Vikings to lose to the Bills. Hell, I didn't expect the Bills to win a game. So there's a lot we think we know in the NFL, but not a lot we actually know. Like, the Dolphins are 4-2. Are they good? No. Yes, maybe. I don't know. The Ravens are 4-2. Are they good? The Bengals are 4-2. Are they good? Go over the entire schedule of this league, and you tell me which teams are good and which teams aren't, and we're probably not going to agree on very many. That's how much is up in the air, and we're pretty darn far into the season now. The Steelers just finished their sixth game. Let's go to Steven in Arizona first up today on the Crowley Show at 412-922-2874. man? Oh,
1: just hanging out in the beautiful weather here in Phoenix. Called off work because, uh, well, I was just way too hungover to work uh, after that <laughs> wind yesterday. What
0: were you drinking?
1: A uh, uh, whole lot of beer. I had a bunch of Coors Light and I had some other really heavy stuff. I don't know. It was it was a fun day.
0: Did you throw so, up, Steven? Uh,
1: no. I, man, I, the only thing that makes me throw up anymore is if I drink too much vodka or whiskey. If it's beer, I'm good. and can go all night with that.
0: Nice.
1: Yeah. No, really, I just wanted to applaud you for that opening segment. You know, uh, keep laying it on the Bengals, and especially Von Tez Perfect. That guy's terrible. Uh, but um, I, I felt really sick to my stomach when I saw that replay of him hitting an A.B. in the head, and I was just hoping so bad the A.B. wouldn't hurt. It's great to see him come back and put that dagger in him late. And uh, I'm sure we all know this in Pittsburgh and everything, but uh, this rivalry is probably the low-key and nastiest one in the NFL, so...
0: It's nasty, Steven. Go take care of your kid. Put down the Coors Lights. Appreciate the call and the kind words. It's a nasty rivalry, but it ain't really a rivalry, right? I mean, the players don't like each other, but the Bengals never win. It's been seven straight times. The Steelers have gone in there 17, no, now 18 times in 21 years and beat them. A rivalry implies that one side is pulling on the rope just as much as the other side's pulling on the rope. And the Bengals, they ain't pulling it well enough. It's a weird analogy. It's the same old Bengals, though. They are so flipping predictable. Here's Drake Kirkpatrick. He says Cincinnati's better than Pittsburgh. Quote, we're better than them. They ain't better than us, period. They ain't better than us. We're better than them. End quote. Wow, redundant. His late penalty was the difference in the game. The difference. You knew he would do something dumb after he headbutted Juju earlier in the contest. That is so typical Cincinnati Bengals. Juju and Kirkpatrick are talking. Yo, mother so fat. Yo, mama so fat. Things like that. And Kirkpatrick goes over the line. Juju knows how to properly toe the line. He goes over the line, headbutts him. The referees missed it. But at that moment, you knew if you were a Steelers fan that they were going to implode at some point, and it took until the last drive of the game, but it happened. Drake Kirkpatrick, in addition to his whimsical way of saying the Bengals are better than the Steelers, not redundant at all, also said that that hold at the end of the game wasn't really a hold. Now, Steelers fans, I would like to play a little game. It's called you Google Drake Kirkpatrick Hold and then watch it as I'm speaking. Here, I'll give you I'll give you five seconds to do it. Just Google it. Dre Kirkpatrick holds Antonio Brown. And if you're driving, don't do it. Okay, now that we're all watching, he grabs him and he hooks him. That's not only a flag. That's a felony. And he thinks that the referees are going to miss it? Come on, buddy. But of course he thinks that because he's not that bright because the organization as a whole is not that bright. And a guy like Drake Kirkpatrick gets his mindset from Adam Pacman Jones. A guy like Drake Kirkpatrick thinks he can get away with things because he's seen what Adam Pac-Man Jones has done in the past. Pac-Man Jones elected a captain of this football team a couple of years ago. Fontes Burvick, a member of this football team. Not a brain cell between any of them. No respect for their fellow players. So I'm not surprised that Drake Kirkpatrick says, No, that's not a whole, ah, uh, buddy, yeah, it is. His penalty late was a difference in this game. Think about what happens if he doesn't hold A.B. Well, A.B. might catch a football and go down the field and score, but let's say the ball doesn't get thrown in Antonio's direction. Ben missed the throw when he's rolling out to Juju Smith-Schuster over his head. It sets up a 4th and 10, and I don't care who you're playing, where you're playing them. It's tough to convert a a 4th and 10. Now, on the road in Cincinnati with not great conditions... I don't think you're converting that. So that hold to me changed everything. But you knew he'd do something dumb because he always does something dumb. Vontez Perfect, again, did something dumb, and you knew he was going to do something dumb because that's the history of this moron. How do you say it wasn't on purpose? As far as I'm concerned, there should be no more fines with Vontez Perfect. He's a repeat offender. Anytime he does something, he should not get the benefit of the doubt. No fines, only suspensions. That knucklehead does not deserve to be playing in this league. Now, I tweeted this out during the game, and it was hyperbolic, but I don't care. I said, on the same field that Ryan Shazier lost his ability to perform, Vontez Perfect's running around trying to do that to other people. And yeah, it's hyperbolic. Yeah, I know Shazier did it to himself. But it doesn't sit right with me. That you know what can happen on the football field. You know that these are gladiators. You saw it with your own two eyes last year. And yet Vontez Perfect's out there throwing a chicken wing up in Antonio Brown's head. Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network is reporting. It's the Rappaport Report. That Vontez Burfict. Could be fine, but he won't be suspended by the NFL. It doesn't make any sense. David DeCastro, right guard for your beloved Pittsburgh Steelers, said that it doesn't make sense to protect the quarterback and then not to protect other star players, and he's a hundred percent right. How do you miss that? A B comes off the field looking like he's our previous caller, hammered. Cause he got his Bell rung, which is a fancy word, or I guess a less fancy word for probably got concussed. Now, he goes to the tank, comes back, and he's fine. But it didn't look good. How do you miss that hit? How? And the NFL says, that will suspend him. Just kidding. We'll fine him. Really? I would pay my money to watch Antonio Brown play. I don't have to. Because I'm a huge, big-time, major-medium-market star. And I just go for free. They invite me. Crowley, come on now. i got a press pass for you. We love you, man. Come watch the game. And I think it's even more major-medium-market star that you turn them down every time. Every say, time. You know I can't go. I can't make it. Guys, sorry. Maybe next time. Keep their hopes up. And they'll keep inviting me. Every time. It never stops. Never. They just keep hoping that one day Crowley will show up. But it's never going to happen. Pirates, Penguins, Steelers. They need me there. I would pay my money, despite those invitations, to watch Antonio Brown play football. Does anybody pay to watch Vontez Perfect play? Does anybody? I'm sure there's jerseys being sold in Cincinnati with number 5-5 on it. I get that. Because you love what he brings to the table because he's fierce. Because he's throwback. I think he's a felon, but I would see why they would like him. But I don't think anybody's going to the game saying, I bought this ticket explicitly to watch Vontez' Perfect play. Nah, F that. Doesn't happen. If it happens with a middle linebacker, it's a Brian Urlacher. It's a Ray Lewis. It's a Ryan Shazier. It sure as hell ain't that guy. The league needs to not just protect the quarterbacks, but protect its stars from players who aren't stars. Players who are criminal that's criminal. I know that you say it's between the two white lines and he should be able to do anything. Nah, F that. He was trying to hurt him. Now, I initially thought it was a helmet-to-helmet hit. You look at the other angle. It was the chicken wing going up. I don't know why that's not flagged. I don't know why that's not suspendable. The NFL is so concerned with making sure that a shot to the head by the head needs to be flagged that it forgot that any shot to the head should probably be penalized. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's ridiculous. 412 2874 As for Kirkpatrick saying he didn't think he should have been flagged for the hold on Antonio Brown, hey, dingus, maybe if you made it a little more subtle, how about grabbing AB below the belt? Hey, now, on the... Ham hock or something. Grab a little bit of pant leg instead of the jersey. Be a little bit more discreet. A little bit more nonchalant. Drake Kirkpatrick's the kind of guy who walks into a bank he's going to rob, right? Without a mask on. Walks right up to the teller. Says, hey, my name is Drake Kirkpatrick. Give me all your money. And then leaves and gets caught five minutes later. You got to be discreet. You nimrod. He wasn't discreet. Should have been flagged. Now, Bengals fans, they are whining to high heaven about that pick play at the end of the game, but they ain't getting any sympathy from me. Do we have that Al Riveron audio? Damn it, I saw you nod. I shouldn't have asked. Now it sounds unprofessional. Here's what Al Riveron had to say about the final dagger play by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Good evening, everyone. This is
1: Al Riveron. We're going to discuss an interesting play today that happened in the Pittsburgh-Cincinnati game. We're watching this defender right here as he is going to contact that receiver. we watch him pre-snap number 84 goes back in motion. And when he does that, the defender comes up, slides outside as you just saw, and then immediately after the ball is snapped, he's going to make contact. And then there's contact downfield as they both go downfield. However, the contact is initiated by the defender and therefore the receiver is not responsible for this
0: contact, and the contact continues just when the ball is caught by 84. There's still contact, but the contact is initiated by the defender. Therefore, this is not OPI. That checks out, but I do think the argument can be made that the defender initiated contact to try to get through the pick, right? I do love Steelers fans saying, well, Riveron said it. It must be true. Meanwhile, these are the same people who were trying to tar and feather him last year whenever he said that Jesse James did not survive the ground. At any rate, Kirkpatrick's was a hold. The Steelers line up for the game-winning field goal anyhow, so what are we talking about? Not to mention the officials missed James Conner's touchdown. They missed, in my opinion, what should have been Juju Smith-Schuster's touchdown. I think that our buddy Gene Steratore got that one wrong too. And of course they missed Fontes' perfect elbowing Antonio Brown square in the head! They missed a salt. So, yeah, they might not call the pick play. As for the juju catch that was not a touchdown, the badass Moss attempt he made, I do think Gene got that wrong. I think they got that one wrong on the field, too. When he gets the ball in his belly, get in my belly, he's in the end zone. So I think they got it all wrong. Cincinnati can whine, they can complain, they can think they're better than the Pittsburgh Steelers. The reality is, the Steelers have won seven in a row. This is the biggest Bengals game in years. The Steelers go in there and they stomp that ass, and the Steelers won 18 out of 21 times in Paul Brown Stadium. Wah, wah. Let's go to Ezekiel next up on the Crowley Show. Something. Hey, how are you? Um, I was
1: discussing with someone how you guys said that the Steelers are winning the division. I'm obviously a very big Steelers fan, and I was telling my friend who's a Ravens fan. He said he thinks that if the Ravens win this week versus New Orleans, they're winning the division because they're coming off a hot win. I told him I don't know what you're saying. I want to hear what you have to keep up with.
0: Yeah, appreciate the call, Ezekiel. If the Steelers beat Baltimore in two weeks, it's done. Peace. See you. Goodbye. Later. Is the Saints-Ravens game in New Orleans? I'll look at it. If it's in New Orleans, the Ravens ain't going in there and winning. I'm telling you that right now. They're not winning if it's in Baltimore either. The Saints, you know how earlier in the show you said there's only a handful of good teams in the NFL? I They're think one the of Saints them. fall into that category, yeah. I'd agree with that. I'd give them a puncher's chance if they were at home. It's in Baltimore. I'll give them a puncher's chance. But even if they win that game, the Steelers go to Baltimore the week after. Do they ever leave Baltimore, by the way? And the Steelers win that one, then it won't have mattered what they did in New Orleans. Coming up next. Oh, yeah. I did my first homework assignment from Brian and Tom. I haven't seen any movies over the last, well, 40 years. Any movie that's been made in the last 40 years, I haven't freaking seen it. So I watched The Goonies. I'll give you my report card on that. We'll get into what happens if Le'Veon Bell returns. And Juju Smith-Schuster, yeah, he's lit. And he should shove his fist right up everyone's backside. It's Crowley show. Good evening, everyone. This is Al Riveron. This is the Adam Crowley Show. I mean, I cannot believe the kind of nonsense that I am hearing right now. On ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM and 106.3 FM. You ever get a new Facebook friend, and then it pops up immediately in the messenger? Say hi to your new Facebook friend. That happened to me today, but I didn't know it was going to say, say hi to your new Facebook friend, and I just thought it was my new Facebook friend saying hi to me, their new Facebook friend. And I immediately thought, wow, how creepy is this new Facebook friend? But actually, it's just Facebook being creepy, making me think my new Facebook friend wants to be more than just my new Facebook friend. 412-922-2874 412 2874 Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley Juju's a stud What to do with Le'Veon Bell If he shows up, spoiler alert He hasn't We'll get to all that, but first I watched a movie this weekend You did? I was assigned The Goonies I will be assigned a movie Every week Until I've watched all the movies That I'm supposed to have watched and then I will give you a report car at 440 on Mondays. I saw The Goonies. Tom, was it supposed to be campy and terrible? Uh, campy, yeah, but I don't know what you mean by terrible because it's a great movie. But it's supposed to be campy? Of course, you know, it's a band of adventurous kids going on a treasure hunt. I mean, how is that not supposed to be campy? All right, it was good then. It was great. If it's supposed to be campy, it was good. Are you telling me that you didn't like it? A little racist with the Asian boy, though. Okay, counterpoint, it was the 80s. Yeah, they were doing a lot. They with, were doing a lot of that back in a the lot, lot with the I I mean, Asians. His character back then. in Indiana Jones, his name was Short Round. That's the same kid. Yeah, you know how all actors look alike, especially in the eighties. I don't think you would fly with the Me Too movement either. With the cheerleader chick kissing uh, Samwise no. Gamgee, probably not. But I mean, I feel like a lot of movies from back in those days you could you could say in today's day and age, you know, isn't going to hold up, and it's not going to fly with the the PC movement today. The other dude that's not holding up is that jock kid who was a prick face. He was looking up the cheerleader girl's skirt. He was looking down her shirt. I mean, that ain't cool, man. I think that's a good way to tell kids these days how not to behave. I also don't know what the hell Sloth was, but he was tremendous. He steals the show, right? He does. Your favorite part of the movie, Sloth at the end, ripping (laughs) off the shirt, Superman. Superman. Hey, Hey you guys. Oh, come on, Crowley. It's great. The Fratellis were quality idiot villains. Perfect, right? The mother was sublime. They have a great name, too. The Fratelli boys, right? It's tremendous. Flows. It does. In fact, if I was starting an Italian restaurant, I think I'd call it the Fratelli's. It's not bad. Not i bad at there. all. I'd eat there, get too. Chicken Palm. Yeah. The police chase at the beginning was funny and badass. It's, I, a, it's a good movie. It seems like you keep talking yourself into thinking it's a good movie. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It, it was good. It wasn't great. What's your report card on it? What are you grading it? A. You'll give it an A. Because I feel like if I put myself back in the 80s. I could have seen myself being like, this is tremendous. Watching it today, underwhelmed. I was kind of expecting something else, but it was good. It's really a formative years kind of movie. And, you know, when I saw it, I think I was like 10 or 11 the first time I saw it. And that's like right up your wheelhouse. Like, yes. That's when you want to see a movie like this because you think you are one of these kids. And you think that you can go out with a bunch of your friends and find some treasure somewhere. I think seeing it when you're 27 years old like you are now is kind of what ruined it a little bit for you. It did because that can't happen. No, it can't. You could be sloth, though. Hey, you guys! So you give it an A? A. Okay. I respect that. I mean, I think it's an A, too, obviously. Blake tweets at underscore Adam Crowley, How can you call the Goonies terrible? My goodness. Hashtag classic. I think we covered that, Blake. You're a little late there. Four one two Let's go to Devin. What's up, man? Yeah,
1: man. I was feeling sorry for you, man. Part of childhood, you got to see the Goonies, man.
0: Is it yes. bad that I have not seen it? Until I'm 27, and now it kind of ruins yes, it for it's me. it's very
1: bad. Because if you were 11, you would have been like, "This is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen." It's definitely the age you see
0: it at. I mean, I didn't know Rudy was in it. Samwise Gamgee. What a what a cast of characters. Josh Brolin Rocky, too. Thanos. Rocky Wait a second. Classic. He's the older brother. Josh Brolin's the older brother. Yep. Yes. Oh my God! It's a classic. It's a classic. This is what I called him to talk to you about.
1: Listen, man. I think football is a grown man's sport. But Perfect, he aims to injure people. Yep. I could see you trying to hurt somebody or leave your imprint on somebody, make them, notice, make them feel like you were there or whatever, but this guy really tries to hurt people. It's terrible, man. He shouldn't be in the game, man. He, he shouldn't. He injures people, man. That's terrible, man. He's a sociopath.
0: He is, and thank you for the call, Devin. He's a sociopath, and the National Football League has decided, hey, we'll throw another fine at him, but we ain't suspending him again. I mean, what do you have to do to suspend a guy then? I mean, he elbows him in the dome. You can't do that. It's a penalty. And when you're a repeat offender, the fine ain't enough. It should have been a flag. It should have been a suspension. That should have had his salary withheld. And he shouldn't be back for the rest of the season. Now, that's not because this was the most egregious hit he's ever had. But in the litany... The list of things that he's done, it certainly belongs. And if it belongs in that list, then he should absolutely be suspended. Let's get to some of the positives. It's easy just to beat up on Vontez Berfect and the league's subsequent handling of Vontez Perfect. But I'd rather talk about Juju Smith-Schuster. And actually, there's some flames that need to be fired now. Little finger guns. Mark Madden. Others of his ilk have said he's a little too big for his britches. In fact, Madden was tweeting earlier in the day that everything Juju does is with a camera around. Now, Mark's not wrong about that. But last year, Juju Smith-Schuster comes in. He's the youngest player in the National Football League. Juju is trying to figure out who he is. He's trying to find out where he fits in the list of celebrity, right? That's the way I see it. And Juju wants that to be the case right now. He wants to be followed. He wants to be the social media star. He wants to connect to fans on that level instead of connecting to fans through usual media channels. That doesn't make him a bad guy. It means he's a celebrity who enjoys being a celebrity. You don't think one of the reasons Mark Madden does what Mark Madden does is because He wants to be out there in public? You don't think that there's ego involved? There's certainly ego involved with me when I do the show. Ratings up 700%. I love it. People love the show. And that's a good thing. It's not different than what Juju wants, which is to be noticed. But not only is Juju being noticed, he's kicking ass on the field. He's fifth in the league in receiving yards. He's eighth in the league in receptions. But he's too much of a distraction, right? He's not paying attention enough, right? Give me a break. His Moss catch was an absolute game and season changer. He's not just a good player. He's one of the better wide receivers in the game right now. Now, yeah, he dropped a couple. One of them wouldn't have been a first down anyhow. And okay, that happened. He also had 111 receiving yards, so you can GTFO. Le'Veon Bell didn't show up today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. You got Jacob Klinger sitting outside of the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex on a rock with his computer, waiting to see if Le'Veon's going to show up. You've got Mark Caballi standing... I don't know, 15 feet away from The Rock, taking a picture of Jacob Klinger, waiting to take a picture of Le'Veon Bell. And, of course, he's not there. Now, according to reports, A, he's supposed to show up this week, and B, has not talked to the Pittsburgh Steelers about when exactly this week he's supposed to be here. So, do I believe Jeremy Fowler? Yes. Do I think Lev Bell's going to show up this week? Yes. Does it mean it's going to be before... Saturday? Hell no. Who knows? I don't. But I'll tell you, if you want to find out, check out Jacob Klinger on Twitter. And check out Mark Caboli, who's checking out Jacob Klinger. I said shake instead of check there because the first time I was going to say Jacob Klinger, and then I figured I might as well keep saying it so that you thought I had some kind of weird accent. Did it freak you all out? Mark Kabali gonna be joining us in six minutes here on the show. I think things might wind up working out just the way Le'Veon Bell would want them to. Think about this. If he comes back this week, and because of the way James Conner just played, and because of what Adisa Bakari, the agent of Le'Veon Bell, said earlier in the season, Bell's probably not gonna be getting as many carries as initially thought, which is exactly what he wants. So if he comes back, he gets paid. His contract tolls this year. And, yeah, I'm sure he'll take over at some point when James Conner ceases to be effective. Or whenever Le'Veon is thrown into the fray, he just proves that he's the better back. But he's not going to have to play as much as he thinks he's going to have to play. Or thought he was going to have to play. So that's good for him. Ben Roethlisberger also clearly thinks James Conner's done enough to deserve the playing time. Ben was a little tongue-in-cheek. With the media after the game yesterday,
1: James, I thought was was he was a bowling ball today. He was all over the place. What a great game! But you know, I know it's his last game for us. So because um, Le'Veon's coming back, but I thought he did well in his last one.
0: Ha! 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 Le'Veon Bell's better than James Conner, period. But James Conner's a good player in this league. I didn't think he had it in him. But he clearly does. He's fifth in the league in rushing. He's got seven rushing touchdowns. The kid can play. You can find another back in the draft next year and pair him with Connor. And Connor's the guy. And you can be serviceable or better. But I still think if Le'Veon Bell's rust is knocked off, he's better than James. It's not against James. It's nothing against him at all. But I think it plays better for the team and for Bell. If Bell comes back and Connor gets the reps first, and then you ease Bell in. Coming up next, Mark Caballi of The Athletic discussing all that. That's really it. Mark Caballi discussing all that. It's Crowley show.